This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 124. Make the sacrifices now uh, while you can because the power of exponential growth is so worth it. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Mr. Brandon Turner. What's up, Brandon? What up, Josh? How are you? I'm good. I'm good, man. Excited about today's show. Good. Me too. Me too. This is a, this is a good one because, you know, I'm a young guy, you're an old guy, so, you know... <laughs> oh, yeah. Today we're talking you about got, you investing. got one up, man. You got one up. We're I did get one up. This guy is showing me like this young dude who like jumped in and and was successful really early. And and today, I mean, like, yeah, I think he beats you by like five years, doesn't he? He's doing all right. I, I think I I think I got my twenty four unit, which would have put me at thirty units when I was like twenty five. And he's just twenty five now. He's got twenty units. So, you know, he's he might pass me up if he buys another one. You know, in this year, so okay, it's a race. Show you know, you it's, show I, I, I'm showing off. That's what I do. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, very, very inspiring story. Whether or not you're young or not, listeners out there, I mean, if if you're 50 or 60, you're still going to love this show. Uh, but the fact that it's very inspiring to see a guy 25 years old just crushing it. It's awesome. Oh yeah, and and there's there's some really great tips in this, and we'll yeah. talk about it in uh, in a minute here. But before we do, let's get to today's quick, quick tip. tip. All right, guys, today's quick tip is if you have not yet tuned in to the Ask BP podcast, check it out. You can find it on YouTube. You can find it on iTunes. We've got it on SoundCloud. This thing is all over the place, and it's great. It's little, quick, short, uh, what is it, like five, ten-minute answers to your questions in audio slash video format. And uh, so if, you know, you have a, if you have a question, leave me a question. Go to Twitter. And just do like, you know, at sign bigger pockets and then hashtag ask BP and then leave your yep. question and then I'll answer it or somebody will on the ask BP podcast. Awesome guys. Cool. Hey, listen really quick before we move on and get started with the show. I just want to, first off, thank everybody for listening. We really appreciate all your listenership. It, yeah. it, I, I don't think you guys fully understand how much Brandon and I like truly, truly appreciate that you guys tune into us every week. It, it really means a lot to us and we're glad that we're helping you out. Um, with that said, um, if you are one of our regulars and have yet to jump on iTunes and leave us a rating or a review, we would very much appreciate it. Those things really, really help us. Uh, they help expand the visibility of the show. Uh, so if you could just go to iTunes, and you could do this even if you're a PC user, just go to iTunes, find the Bigger Pockets podcast, and leave us. Go ahead, leave us a, a rating. You could do four to five stars. One, well, hopefully five, but yeah, <laughs> zero to five. Hopefully five, uh, and you could leave us a review, and and that's going to help other people find us. But uh, with that, why don't we get into the, the show? Today's guest is Jared Sturm. I, I, hopefully I didn't just massacre uh, his last name, Jared Sturm. Jared is a real estate investor in the Cincinnati, Ohio area who's just crushing it. He's really, really doing well. The guy's a young, like uh, Brandon mentioned earlier, he's 25. He's been doing this uh, since he was, he got his first house, as you'll find out, like literally right after high school. It's, it's amazing, inspiring. And, uh, there's really some great tips in here for everybody. The guy has buy and hold, uh, flipped houses and, uh, working on flips now and, uh, working on wholesale. So lots to learn. So 
Did you know that short and medium-term rentals often offer double the cash flow compared to long-term rentals? Well, it's true. And rental retirement just made investing in them easier than before. Now you can buy fully turnkey short and medium-term rentals that are newly built or renovated, leased, and managed. Maximize your cash flow, appreciation, and equity while the rental retirement team takes care of all of it for you. Plus, their creative financing options like interest rate buy-downs can get you a rate in the low fives. And their investor loans let you buy multiple properties with as little as 5% down, not 20%. 5% down. But why buy with rent to retirement? They're investors just like you and me and rock one of the highest reputations across bigger pockets with more five-star reviews than any other company on our site. And I think that's a pretty big deal. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. Or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing in some of the best cash flow markets today. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com biggerpockets. Every lender loves to talk about how easy it is to get a mortgage. Then when it's time to fund your next deal, they ask for your full financials, your blood type, your mother's famous spaghetti recipe, and a map to the fountain of youth. Sound familiar? You got all that handy, right? Why not switch to a lender who actually makes qualifying for a loan easy? A lender like Host Financial. Host Financial takes the tedious tax returns, endless W-2s, and time-consuming financial requests out of the picture. Their light dock and common sense underwriting guidelines mean frictionless transactions every time. You'll even be able to use the actual or projected income of the short-term or long-term rental you're looking to purchase or pull equity out of. That's what lending built for investors looks like. So take the next step and grow your portfolio faster. Visit hostfinancial.com to request a quote in as fast as 60 seconds, which is faster than this ad. If not, it's pretty close. That's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. Again, that's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. Let's get to it. All right, Jared, welcome to the show, man. It's good to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, good deal. Well, uh, you know, you came across our attention on the forums a while back. You know, you've been participating there and writing blog posts and uh, just kind of sharing what you know. And then I found out that you were actually a pretty young guy. I mean, you're not you're not like old like you're Josh here. High, you're still in high school, right? <laughs> yeah. <it's insane>. No, <laughs> nice. <laughs> now, how, how old are you? I'm 25. 25, and you're a real estate investor. That's pretty cool. Yep. Yep. So, I've been a real estate investor for uh, about three and a half years now. So cool. Wow. Well, what? inspires a uh, 21 and a half year old to become a real estate investor. I mean, that's, you know, a lot of people listening are like that son of a, you know, (laughs) I wish I did that. Well, when I started, I really had no idea about real estate investment, but I did know a lot about houses and working on houses because even prior to the real estate investment, I 
was a contractor working on uh, other people's houses, doing kitchens, bathrooms, and running a small construction company uh, with my brother doing that stuff. And then it got to the point where I was like, well, if we can do it for others, why not do it for ourselves? So I jumped into the real estate investment world, um, really not knowing much about real estate investment, but knowing more about houses. But you were doing this in high school, this construction stuff, right? In high school, it was more of a handyman. Okay. Yeah. So I worked for a local real estate investor as his handyman, just doing stuff to his rentals. Okay. And um, didn't know much at all, but uh, every time he would just say, oh, can you do this? I'd just say, yeah. And <laughs> we, would, we would figure it out along the way. And, nice. um, and then, uh, then just started to pick up small jobs with friends and family. Um, you know, they want a bathroom updated. And it just kind of grew and grew. And then left the working for the real estate investor a um, couple years after that. But with him, I, I made it from handyman to, you know, working on his flips and, and doing all of the, like a full flip for him. So Nice. Cool. Nice. And so you bought the first house. You bought, I understand it was like literally right after graduating high school. Is that right? Yeah. If I remember correctly, it was like, I can't remember exactly, but I know that graduation was in the way of closing. So like we, we moved it or it was, it was oh. right there. I can't remember. Let me get my violins out for you. <laughs> Yeah. So, so how, how do you do that? How do you buy a house that soon after high school? I mean, I don't know anybody that's ever bought one that quick. Um, a lot of it was help of parents. So okay. even, I guess that was my first investment property, but I, I had no idea what I was doing. So not even a little bit. It was a suggestion from uh, mom and dad. I took it, ran with it. It really worked out. Uh, lived there for five years with my brother, who's my business partner now. And four other guys. So nice. uh, I guess house hacked it. Yeah, and, uh, house hacked. There you yeah, go. so I uh, <laughs> did that for five years and it, it worked out really well. And, Isn't that uh, called like, you know, fraternity housing or something <laughs> to that? Yeah, level? it was it was a uh, it was interesting. So five years of five years of that. Now four of them were with all of the same guys. So it worked out pretty well and the reason we actually bought that house is because we knew we wanted to get into the um, contracting side of things. And it had a, uh, 30 by 50 detached garage. And so we were like, Oh, we can store all of our tools, trucks, equipment. And that was the reason we got that house. Uh, we completely overpaid for it, but we still own it today. <laughs> nice. Okay. And you, you don't live there anymore though, right? You rent that one or something? No. Yeah. It's rented out okay. to a, right a nice family who takes better care of it than the <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what happened to the fifth guy? Or do we not want to talk about that? What fifth guy? Yeah. That's what I thought. <laughs> There was a guy that lived in the basement behind the furnace because we added a room back there. You're right. <laughs> was a troll? I mean, like, was this like the imaginary of. guy that you know appeared when you guys are up late drinking? <laughs> he did. He was the guy that stayed up like weird hours. And that's, come, you know, wake awesome. up at four in the afternoon when we're getting home from work and stuff. So that's awesome. Yep. Well, cool. Awesome. So, so how did you? I mean, how did you? Go from that to becoming a real estate investor. Well, maybe I can ask you first, how many deals have you done so far and what, what are they? Um, well, I own 20 units rentals. So me and my wow. brother um, own 20 units rentals. And then we are transitioning into flips now. So I am working. I just finished up my first flip and um, getting ready to list it at the beginning of the week. And we already closed on our second flip to get started on that, uh, but haven't started any work. Wow. And in the process of working on my first wholesale deal now. So wow, cool. 
So right off. Okay, so you, I mean, how do you get twenty units when you're when you're twenty five years old? Like, how are they multifamily, single family? Kind of walk us through that journey that you took. Yeah, um, it started as single family. So okay. uh, the way we did it was we didn't have much money, and no one would loan us money, um, rightfully so, because we had no idea what really what we were doing, uh, other than we knew how to work on houses. So the way we did it was we built up capital through working on other people's houses, doing kitchens, bathrooms, decks, additions, whatever we could do. And it, and it was working well and we made good money because we worked hard and kept getting referrals. So that worked out well. That gave us a little bit of money to start. And we bought, uh, our first property very cheap because it needed a ton of work. And what we did was we had the time and we had the will, but we didn't have the money. So we bought them really distressed and just put tons and tons of our own labor into it. Nice. Nice. And, you know, putting, I guess a lot of people come in and say, Hey, what do I do? Or how do I do this? You know, I don't have the resources. I don't have the capacity. And what you did was you found a way, right? You didn't say, Hey, I don't have the resources. You said, well, I don't have the resources. What am I going to do about it? Yeah, and, and you know, built up the skill set that you can use within the realm of real estate mm-hmm. um, to to build up uh, resources and then apply those towards you know buying that real estate, which is really a cool idea. And I think you know, I, I hear from a lot of young people who are like, eh, I don't know what to do. Well, that's a great path. You know, hey, start learning the trade, start learning how to do the construction side. Yep. You know, uh, you you know what kills me is. You actually said, "Hey, all you got to do is work hard and do a good job, and you're going to get referrals." You know, I think one of the biggest pet peeves of whether it's investors or homeowners or, or anybody who's looking to get projects done is that because for some damn reason, ninety percent of contractors don't know what that is. They don't know what doing a good job is. They don't realize that like if you do a crap job, you're not going to get referrals. I'm talking personally about this because right now I'm dealing with a bunch of contractors Me once too. again, and I'm like pissed <laughs> off, and I'm like they all suck. None of them ever want to be referred out to anybody. Like just literally do a a B job, and I will send you to fifty people, <laughs> and they will all gladly send you to fifty people. So for all the contractors that are listening, like because there are contractors listening just do that and you will have a huge business you have no idea but anyway back to back to your whole thing i love it i think the idea of of working uh you know getting your hands dirty and then you know buying the worst properties like the the ones that everyone else looks at and is like oh man this is this is nasty you know sink that time in cuz that's all you got right yeah yeah it was pretty much substitute our time and labor for the capital that we lacked and uh Yep. The first ones took a long time because we were bouncing back and forth from working, you know, the side jobs of, I say side jobs, but the working on other people's houses took priority. So whenever we had a kitchen or bathroom for someone else, we were there. And then if there was ever a gap like that buffer time, we would be back working on our rentals. So they were slow in the beginning. And then um, as we got up to eight, I think once we had eight, we said, okay, we're done working for other people. And we're going to go to uh, now just strictly working on our own properties. And even then at eight, you know, it's me and my brother. It's, it's really difficult. It's not that much money coming in to where you have to say, okay, I'm going to give up all this time and really still not see any money because we were reinvesting everything back in. Yeah, I, that's, that's awesome. I mean, uh, 
I don't know. I, I feel like you and I took very, very similar paths in how we did this. Like we both did the construction thing and I was a contractor for a very, very short time. And I don't know. I why, just, why was it so short? <laughs> I had a rough time. I was not that good at being a contractor. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that's what yeah, I Yeah. Yeah. No, I was not that good. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was fine, but like I made no money, like <laughs> at all. He like, didn't get any referrals. Yeah, yeah. I can see Brandon with a hammer just trying <laughs> desperately no, it, to actually hit the nail. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was it was rough. I mean, I uh, it's it's harder than it looks. I think like you can be good. It's like the whole emit thing, right? Like you can be good at swinging a hammer, but it doesn't mean you're good at being a contractor. Those are very two different skill sets to be good at. And or the def- business side, or you might be good at the business side and terrible at swinging a hammer, and you don't need to necessarily be good at both. And most people aren't. I don't know. It sounds like you. Jared might be good at both, but uh, I'm definitely not. Well, <laughs> I, I wasn't until the until like the fifth house. I had no clue on the investment side of it, but it worked because I knew how to take care of the properties, and I entered at the right time. True, uh, you know, I had started in a market that could support uh, mistakes. Yeah, and um, but yeah, I. Uh, I think until the fifth house, it was, I didn't really have a clue. And, um, maybe somewhere around house six or seven is when I found bigger pockets. And that kind of helped me put something behind what I was doing and, and more, uh, I don't know, focused, I guess, as far as the investment side and, and understanding really, I, I knew what I wanted, but I didn't, I didn't know how to do the, the math correctly or anything like that. So uh, I was making good purchases based on the, the house itself, but, yeah, cool. The math behind the real estate didn't come till later. So yeah, six houses in, and I had really no clue what I was doing. That's cool. That's, That's great. Cool. That's great. And we, you know, we've got, um, we've got a couple of really good articles on real estate math. We'll we'll link uh, in the show notes to to one or two of them, and also. Obviously, the bigger pockets uh, calculators come in extremely handy for for those folks who are uh, trying to get a better grasp on uh, real estate math. And you can check those out at biggerpockets.com slash calc. Yeah. Um, so, so, before we move on, do you mind if I... So one thing I wanted to touch on here is the fact that you did your own... You do most of your own work or have. I mean, always did your own work, correct? Yes. Yes. In the beginning, uh, now on the flips, we're starting to sub out a lot of the, the work, um, still being there as the general contractor and, and working on more of the expensive things like the electric or plumbing. Sure. Um, on a flip, you just can't do it that way because you need to go a little quicker. But Because sure. um, we were buying inexpensive rentals, so yeah. you, could, you could drag it out a little bit because holding costs weren't as bad. But uh, yes, on all of the rentals, all of the work was ourselves. And when I mean all, all of it, it was every bit, electric, plumbing, anything you could think of. That's cool. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast is to talk about that because it's a different side than what most of our guests have done. You know, most people are, you know, we're very like, you know, work on your business, not in your business and hire people and outsource and whatever else. But I mean, that's not the way most of us began. Whether or not we got there at some point, I mean, like, and you're getting there as well. The fact is when you start out, that's oftentimes what you have to do. And, uh, you know, I just think it's cool that you did that and you made it work. And, uh, you know, it kind of goes back to that thing. We talk about a lot here on the show the idea of the unfair advantage. Everybody has it. You know, everybody's got something in their life that they can do to harness and leverage towards their investing. It might be, you know, a, a wealthy family member. It might be having the ability to fix a toilet. It might be the ability to talk to people and network very well and you can raise money. I mean, everyone's got something. Figure out what that is and, and run with it. And it looks like you did exactly that. So very cool. Um, all right, cool. So let's let's go on. I mean, you mentioned a second ago, uh, you know, now that you're doing the flips, you have to work a lot quicker. Why is I mean, is that because you're buying a higher price point? And what are, you know, your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, it's a, it's a much higher price point. So in our rentals, you know, we're looking at $25,000 houses, uh, purchase hey, price. Hey, where are you really quick, Jared? Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. Detroit. Okay. <laughs> it's at Rust Belt. I mean, there's, you know. There's like 20 states you just don't like. I love them all. They love me. Uh, maybe not, but but like there's there's that whole rust belt where the, you know it's possible. By the end of the show, Josh is going to be thinking about investing in Cincinnati. Though. Oh hell yeah. yeah, I'm coming, man. I'm coming. They're going to throw me out when I get there, but I'm coming. He secretly has money tucked away in Detroit house. <laughs> yeah, he's been just bought. That's his strategy. He just keeps putting it down so nobody else takes his. Let me properties. clarify again. I think Detroit. I think the Rust Belt is a really, really great place to invest if you know the areas that you're investing in. I think for an outsider coming in, you just have to know the area because you know you go one block over and you're you're in deep trouble. So, and that that applies for anywhere and everywhere, but. Yeah. Um, so what, what's your purchase price on your yeah. flips then? What, what, what kind of ranges are you doing there? Uh, the first one was 125 and um, it's, we're going to list it at 220 Okay. Wow. And what'd you put in on that? 25 Not That's bad. That's pretty good, man. That's pretty good. Now, is that, you're doing a lot of the work yourself though, correct? Yes. Uh, that flip took us 22 days and we were there every day for about uh, probably average of 10 hours. So, so if you take out your, if you actually apply uh, labor costs to your work, you and your brother, it sounds like, is that 25 really 50 or 40? I would say 40. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. But yeah, so, so we'll way. probably make, we would have charged our, we would have charged 15 for that, you know, that work roughly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, for those people listening, I think it's really important that we, we, we actually talk about this because, you know, saying that, you know, it it was twenty five, and and you sold it for what was it two twenty five? You know, obviously there was your time and your money. Your time is worth something, mm-hmm. um, and so um, when you do the analysis of a flip or or a buy and hold, you know, and say you're managing the property yourself, you have to account for that time upfront to ensure that you have some kind of profitability at the back end. Now, if you're doing the work yourself, it's it's you know, it's kind of no sweat off you and it is money in your pocket. But, you know, at least for the new people who are listening, who, who haven't yet to analyze deals, um, it's really, really important to account for that time. Um, yeah. be, be, because that could be the difference between a profit and a loss. Mm-hmm. And our, our second flip is purchase price was $155. Uh, needs a lot less work. We'll probably end up listing it for like $205. Um, but one thing we're doing with our flips is we're trying to, uh, because we have now have more capital and, and access to capital, is we're trying to hit a point where uh, we're at the top of the uh, price point to where we can then rent it for at least what the mortgage is. You know, so that way we could always at least have that extra exit strategy. Yep. So we're not, you know, yes, we could go get a uh, you know half a million dollar house and flip it, but we're just getting into flips. So I don't want to make the mistake. You know, I could probably make more money that way if I, if it was successful, but I don't want to set myself up for, you know, big failure. So we're, really we're, at, we're at the, we're at the top of what we're comfortable with, even though we probably could go higher. We're focusing there to begin. Yeah. I recommend that to people all the time. If you're just getting started flipping, people lose money on their first flips all the time. So if you're going to go flip a house, your very first one, and you're going to decide to go tackle a, you know, $800,000 property, you think you can sell for 1.2 million and then something goes wrong. And all of a sudden you find out you wind up 
owing $150,000 when you go to sell. You know, like those are real things that could happen on an early flip. Now, it sounds like your first flip is going to turn out great, but it doesn't always do that for people. And so, yeah, if you can start out small, start out a little bit smaller until you, you know, know what you're doing better. I think that's smart. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, first flip. We were fortunate to find a great deal. So that's where it really started. And it was just through a personal connection. A guy actually in my bowling league. Really? So, oh, nice. uh, yeah. He's uh, his fiance was there and um, talking about how much she hated the house. The pipes froze. It was his rental. They had no handy skills at all. So he's you know, it's the second time the pipes froze. I hate this thing. He ended up having his tenants come and stay at his own house. I mean, it was a mess. Oh, man. And, uh, yeah, and oh, I, that's when I handed him my business card. And said, <laughs> ah, there you go. There you go. That's great. Yeah. That's great. And have you, do you make that a regular habit, you know, giving your card out to pretty much everybody and letting everyone know? Yes. Uh, in the past year, um, I've done a much better job of just talking to anyone that I can and, uh, Got that from Bigger Pocket Podcast. That's where I picked it up. As uh, I did a really bad job of networking to start with. It was more just like work harder, work harder, work harder. And then uh, in the past year, really just started talking to anyone that I can, whether it be like you know the cash register lady at Kroger or anybody. And it's amazing how much stuff just uh, comes together once you put it all out there. So a minute ago, you mentioned uh, f- you know you had. You found that property via networking. Is that how you're finding most of your properties? Are you doing MLS? Are you doing direct mail? Or how do you how do you find them? Uh, a mix. So in the beginning, it was MLS all the way. Uh, there was more there. Uh, I didn't know any other way. So that's what we did, and we used an agent at that time. Now my business partner, my brother, is licensed, and um, ever since he's gotten his license, we have not bought a single one off the MLS. So, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, we, uh, we did uh, some direct marketing and did a lot of drive for dollars, driving around, looking at distressed properties, and just writing down addresses, putting them in spreadsheets, cold calling the ones that we could get their numbers off the um, uh, auditor site, and then mailing to anyone else. And that was extremely time-consuming, but it turned out really well because we got our first apartment building off of it and uh, a duplex as well. So really? uh, it was a, it was a huge success from that standpoint. Well, tell us some more about that, about that marketing. Okay. Well, it was just yellow letters okay. and it was, it was my first and only crack at it. Um, and it was successful, which from what I hear, you know, it takes a lot to, to get a deal from it, but yeah. I just happened to, uh, it happened to work out for us on the first one. And actually we had our, our cold call list of about, I don't know, it was about a hundred landlords. So you can only get the phone numbers here in Cincinnati. You can only get the phone numbers of registered rentals off the auditor's site. So you can get their phone number if they're a landlord. So I had about a hundred phone numbers of landlords. The very first one I called was a five unit apartment building. I give him, I had like a general script typed out. I gave him what I had and it kind of ends with, are you interested in uh, selling this property to me? And he's just like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, man, I'm good. I'm really good at this. <laughs> and uh, I, the next 99 were hang-ups, no's, you know, like, don't call me. I'll sell it for the right price, you know, stuff like that. But yeah, we ended up purchasing it. And that's probably one of my favorite deals because this guy was uh, an older gentleman that was just really burnt out on being a landlord. Um, he had converted a five-unit apartment building into a four. So it was built as a five, and he converted it to a four. 
then had only two units occupied, which he was paying for the utilities, and they're all separately metered. Oh man! And then uh, so it was he he was running it like a mess, pretty much. And um, so we were there. We showed him how much money he was actually losing, and then he was ready to sell immediately. Well, then we found out that his friend who lived around the corner held a mortgage on it. So then we started to negotiate if he would let us assume the mortgage. So it was a 25-year mortgage, and he was 13 years in. And uh, to make a long story short, we ended up assuming that mortgage as is and uh, just giving the original or the owner, we gave him 5000 bucks, and he was happy. He got out. We assumed the mortgage, picked up the property for the purchase price of 75 after we turned it back into a five-unit to make it you know, uh, valued differently than a four family. The value right now is a, a little over 200,000. Wow. So we did. Now we did a lot of work to that. I don't want to make it sound like we just changed it from, put a wall up, made it a four to a five. Now we, uh, we separated all the water lines and separately metered those and put about $40,000 into it. So you went seventy, put forty in. You're at one ten. You also paid five grand for the assumption of the mortgage, so you're one fifteen. And uh, no, the assumption fee. There was no like assumption fee. We paid. Oh, okay. Uh, there was about there was a balance of seventy thousand on the mortgage. We assumed that and then okay. paid five thousand dollars to the owner. So okay, 70, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Got it. Well, yes, either way, you, know, you have a lot of equity. Good, yeah. you have a ton of equity in that. And, yeah, you know, yeah. a couple of things you mentioned there, I just want to point out. First of all, the fact that you, you know, found this landlord that had two units out of four or five rented, it was really struggling. Like that is not, that's not an uncommon thing. You know, like it, most landlords are terrible. I mean, I talked to a person yesterday. I actually got a phone call from a friend of mine who was like, Hey, Brandon, I'm here with this uh, friend of mine who's the manager of an apartment building here in town and she needs your help. And I'm like, oh, okay. So he put her on speakerphone <laughs> and the girl's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to do. I just, do you, I don't know how to evict this person. And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, I got, I go to evict them. They haven't paid rent in months and I got to evict them now for the owner, but the owner's out of the area. And so I have to do it. But I filed a bunch of paperwork and then they, the, County two weeks later told me I did it all wrong and I don't even know what I'm doing. And I'm like, <laughs> so anyway, like those are so common everywhere. Oh, like, yeah. right. And the, oh, then she said this one funny thing. She's like, you know, I've heard people do like background checks and stuff. I probably should start doing that. I'm like, oh, yeah, man. you probably should. So anyway, I'm like, write down my number, give it to the owner. I'm going to talk with him. Maybe I can and help take care you. of his problem. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can tell, help take care of his problem. Is this the lady that you hired? Like, uh, like a couple <laughs> no, back, no I didn't. This is a different, different property manager, but uh, yeah, no, this, yeah, it was crazy. But anyway, um, where was it going with that? Okay. There are a lot of bad landlords out there. If you just get in touch with them and say, look, especially with the multifamilies, if you just say, Hey, I can clean this mess up for you. Uh, you know, walk away, maybe assume a mortgage like that. Maybe you can do a, you know, whatever. There's just so much opportunity there. I think that's very cool that you did that. Hey, really quick, because I think the experienced people understand it, but the people who are new may not fully understand the assumption of a mortgage. Can you just explain that really quickly? You know, how that works and, and so people get it. Yeah, so the previous owner had uh, a mortgage on the property, so he borrowed the money from his friend to purchase this property. Now, that mortgage still existed when he wanted to sell it, so what we did was instead of paying it off with money we borrowed from someone else or our own money, 
is we just assumed the note that was drafted originally by the seller we purchased it from and his lender, uh, just taking that over right where it was left off. And that's just done through our attorneys, a couple documents. It's really simple because his mortgage was a one-page mortgage, really basic because it was between two friends. You know, so that it was really easy. Did I explain that well enough? Well, you use the word to explain the word, but yeah. so <laughs> which no, it was fine. The, the the only clarification I would say is, so you guys instead of paying off the note, were now paying the note to the 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 note holder instead of the other person paying the note to the note holder. Is that is that uh, better? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> The main thing, I mean, wow, the, oh, tough yeah, crowd. Yeah, I don't okay. know, just go to bigger pockets and read about it. Yeah, know. the assumption of mortgage. I mean, it's a pretty. It used to be a lot more common than it is today. Most mortgages don't allow assumptions anymore, and that's yeah. why people do things like subject to or whatever to try to get around that. But most mortgages say, "Well, if you assume a mortgage, we're going to foreclose on you." That's called the due on sale clause. But a lot of mortgages in the past and ones that are done between friends like that can be assumed without a problem. I mean, you're not going to go assume a Bank of America mortgage very easily, but you might assume one from the guy that lives down the street, like you did. Yeah, or if it's an old mortgage, I know. Like, I think it was FHA back in the day used to all be assumable, and then that changed like twenty years ago or something. But I don't you're know. Just taking over. I mean, at the end it's of the day, fun. you're taking over. You're paying. Yep. You're, you're now paying the the note to the same guy who uh, the same bank who was the friend uh, who had the note. Yeah, yeah. And we did have to meet with him prior. Um, well, we suggested it. You know, we sat down with him showed him uh, a portfolio that we give out to the banks and you know said here here's everything you'll want to see and then just chatted for probably 30 minutes and uh, by the end of that he said I'm on board so it was really simple hey Jared what is in that portfolio that you share with the banks what, what, that's your that's your lender kit right what what's in it yeah, yeah. so um, it's our business plan which I wrote specifically for that book so I didn't have it Prior to that, uh, we, re- we typed it up for that. Um, we would have tax returns in there, uh, P&Ls for any, you know, a year we don't have tax returns, just rent rolls, um, try to think. Oh, you know, just description of our, our business, anyone that we network with or use, you know, lists of our, um, our team, I guess you would say. So any handyman we use, any attorney, anyone... You know, I listed even my dad, who's an accountant for a construction company. You just, as long as you word it right, um, you know, as a financial mentor, uh, it it will help you. So it, it was, you know, it's 200 pages thick Whoa. at the end of it. Not the business plan, but every document yeah. in there, you know, returns and all of that, rent rolls, anything you can come up with. What I do is just give them anything and everything. And they say, you know, oh, I'm not going to read all of this, but it looks good. Yeah. 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 To, no, that's that's great. To add on there, I so I've told the story maybe before. I'm not sure if it was here on one of the webinars, but uh so I needed a loan on my I had a fourplex that I turned into a fiveplex as well. Again, you and I are very similar in that I had this property. I needed a loan on, but it was very tough for me to get this loan on the fiveplex. I got turned down by like three different banks. And then finally I was like, this is stupid. So I, I went to uh and did exactly what you did. I made this big thick like packet. I put like a laminated cover on it that I bought at Staples, and then I put the uh I went on Bigger Pockets, the rental property calculator, 
put in the entire numbers for the current property that I'm analyzed or that I was trying to get a refi on it, showed how good of a deal it was, took that, put it on the front of the thing. So they opened it up and then handed that entire thing to this one bank. And the guy was super impressed because nobody had ever given him something that organized before. And that put together for just a simple, like, I mean, it was only $120,000 or $90,000 mortgage. So he was blown away and they did the loan like two weeks later, or three weeks later, closed on it. So nice. professionalism matters so much. Yeah, we uh, actually, we use a portfolio lender as well now. And going uh, later on, going back to him, he said, the only reason I gave you the loan on the first meeting was because of that and you wore ties. And I'm like, really? That, that's it? That's and you wore, <laughs> I, I didn't hear you, and you ties. wore what? Ties. Like ties, you know, like, because nice. he was like, nobody wears ties anymore. Yeah. And I'm like, nice. Uh, and he, he admitted, like, you know, it's his decision. It boils down to his decision. He has, of course, has to take it to the board, but he's the one telling them, yeah. uh, you know, yes or no, I think we should go ahead. And he said, because of that book and because of you wore ties, I gave it to you. That's and awesome. Like, yeah. Well, then I'm glad we wore ties. Yep. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest stay. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing or two about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with a reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com backslash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com backslash biggerpockets. Buy low, sell high. Buy low, sell high. It's a simple concept, right? But not necessarily an easy concept. Right now, high interest rates have crushed the real estate market. Prices are falling and properties are available at a discount which means Fundrise believes that now is the time to expand the Fundrise Flagship Fund's billion-dollar real estate portfolio. You can add the Fundrise Flagship Fund to your portfolio in minutes by visiting Fundrise.com pockets. Fundrise.com pockets. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise Flagship Fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Always find what you love and love what you find at Total Wine & More. With so many great bottles to choose from at the lowest price, it's easy to find your favorite Cabernet, Chardonnay, or maybe you're more of a whiskey drinker. Well, one of their single barrel bourbons is sure to please. With a little help from one of their friendly guides, find the perfect bottle that's just right for you. Hosting friends or family and don't have time to shop in store? Well, that's no problem because Total Wine & More makes it easy to get everything you need for any occasion with curbside pickup and delivery. But you know what the best thing about shopping at Total Wine & More is? That every bottle comes with the confidence of knowing you just found something amazing. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, find what you love and love what you find only at Total Wine & More. Visit TotalWine.com to learn more. That's TotalWine.com. Curbside pickup and delivery available in most areas. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. B21. Okay, so Jared, you mentioned portfolio lender, um, that you found one, and you know that's what I used as well. But maybe for those people who don't know what that is, can you kind of explain that real quick? Yeah, so it's, um, it is a bank that I use, and it, the only difference is they do not sell off the loan after you 
uh, take a loan with them, they keep it in-house. So they're actually making the decision, do I want a loan to this person because I'm going to be the one collecting the payment, uh, not selling it off to um, you know, uh, Fannie Mae or, or Freddie Mac or one of the uh, big government agencies that, to where you have to meet all of someone else's criteria being Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. So they make the criteria and that could be uh, wearing a tie or anything, <laughs> anything they want it to be really. So yeah. Uh, nice. they, they make the decision. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah, when I just did, I I just got done with my 24 unit refinancing that. And uh, I mean, that all they had to do was walk in, like the guy, like my lender walked into the board meeting with them and said, here's the deal. I think we should do it. They said, okay. And it was done. I mean, like, it wasn't like, I don't know. It was, just, it was such a like, old school way I feel like of doing business like that's how it used to be done back in the day before like you know 12 layers of regulators and it's got to go through this and this and that. it's just like I think we should do this deal and the guys you know I don't know it reminds me of like uh, what's that movie uh it's a wonderful life wasn't that like you know he was like a banker and like I don't I've know never seen it you never seen it? it's a wonderful life come on of what's wrong with movies, you I've it's actually, my mom's favorite movie that movie is on every <laughs> Christmas I've yeah. never seen it yeah I've it's a good one. I haven't seen it in years, but it was a good one. All right, anyway, moving yeah. back. So I got here in my notes that I wanted to make sure we touch on. Uh, you know, that you, it says here that after two years, you found a lender to do cash out refis on the properties. You bought seven single family residences and then did a cash out refi. Can we talk about that? What do you mean by that? Yeah, so the first seven were the way I described earlier of, you know, buy them very cheap, put all the labor into it fix it up, rent it out. So at seven, we owned seven free and clear. Wow. Um, and still couldn't find, even then we were trying to find someone to do cash out refis on them to pull the equity that we had in those properties out. And still we couldn't find it. People thought, you know, too inexperienced. You know, our, we did not hold W-2 jobs. This was our full-time job from the very beginning. I haven't had a W-2 job since I was 17. So uh, going to a bank was really difficult, and um, even even our age played a part at that time. But so what we did was finally, uh, I just said, "Well, I'm just going to cold call," and we made a list of you know 30 banks, and I just called and called, and um, some of them had things they would offer, uh, variable rates, things like that. But being kind of conservative, I did not want to hold my rentals in a variable rate. I wanted something I could take and then forget about. Sure, and. Uh, one of the banks, the one I mentioned earlier, when he told me what they were offering and said that we could come in and talk, it was exactly what I was looking for. It's a 20-year fixed at 4.75 from portfolio lender. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, you know, that's exactly what we're looking for. And he said, we'll lend to an LLC. We'll blanket the properties if you want to do it that way. And so that's what we went with. And that's what we've been doing to uh, pull the equity out and uh, move forward with our company. I love that's it. Awesome. Yeah, I love it. That's really yeah. like... I don't know. I mean, I love the fact that you, you talked to a lot of different lenders and you just kept pushing for it and trying to find that ideal loan. I mean, that might've been hard to find, but the fact that you finally got it is great. Yeah. I mean, that's what it takes to become a successful investor. You got to have that persistence and uh, I love it. So cool. Yeah. Well, let's, let's shift gears a little bit before we get out of here. And I want to talk about the age thing a little more. Cause like we said at the beginning of the then? show, Oh, if we said at the beginning of the show, you're 20, 25 years old, right? Yep. So that, I mean, obviously People who at a young age, you know, I was there too, and I guess I don't know, twenty nine. Well, you now. want me to give you my money? Is that what are you, you're asking for? My, what are you like? You don't even shave yet, do you? Exactly. See, so people are like, I'm oh. not going to take you seriously, am I? Exactly. People are are like 
apprehensive about working with young people. So, Absolutely. can we talk? I mean, how did maybe we can just talk about first of all, what are the advantages of being young? Like, do you know anything that comes to mind in is, real estate? In know, real estate, I mean, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, it was uh, the lack of other responsibilities in life. So, um, like I mentioned, we put we substituted our time for the capital that we lacked. Now, um, if you wait longer in life, you're going to have all the responsibilities that usually come later in life, whether it be uh, you know, kids, uh, spouse. Now, I do have a spouse now, but uh, yes. later in life, you know, kids, your parents are getting older, you take care of them, things that take more time, where as a younger person, I could not only devote the time, but had the energy to you know, work the 12 hours of labor or 16 hours of labor and, and just do that day after day. Now, I don't want to do that forever. I never planned on doing that forever. You know, one of my books that I have for later is The E-Myth. So I had read that and I said, well, this is just what I have to do now to get that going. But uh, as far as in real estate, being younger, uh, the advantages is really just the uh, power of exponential growth is, is yep. the biggest thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Could you exp- expand on that for a second? What do you mean by that? But I agree. But um, well, expand on exponential growth. Yeah. Like, yeah, what do you mean? Why yeah, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Like, for those people okay, who don't know. Uh, and how yeah. does it affect you better than it affects like an old fart like myself? Yeah. It's already <laughs> too late for Josh. So, we'll just- <laughs> oh, and you just insulted, you know, like 60% of the population. So, you know, it's all right. You're fired. Seven, seven billion people on the planet. That's yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Okay, so um, no, the uh, exponential growth being younger, it's just like, uh, you know, starting out and doing the paying cash for that, and it took a little bit of time, but since we did it, you know, in our early 20s, now we can just literally roll those cash out refis one after the other, one after the other, and just uh, snowball affect this to where, you know, if I'm um, 50 and I start and start rolling that snowball, obviously at if I want to retire at 60, the snowball is much smaller than if I start at 20 and start rolling it and still want to retire at 60. So yeah, exponential growth is a huge factor of why I sacrificed so much in the early years to line up my goals for the later years. Yeah, that's great. That's I great. Love it. Yeah, man. All right. So disadvantages. I was, I was talking smack earlier, you know, the, you know, young baby face, yada, yada, yada. Well, the, but the irony is both of us have uh, a little bit more manly facial hair than the old guy here. So yeah, I mean, I, I can actually get proofed when I go to a bar, whereas you probably yeah. would not with your. I don't know. They don't even know. ask. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, all right. So disadvantages. Obvious ones are you know people. Some people won't take you seriously because you're young. You know, are, are there other disadvantages that come with being young? I, I would say like not having established credit probably could come in to play for some people. What else? Really, if you have the right mentality and you just approach people the right way, I never ran into those obstacles. So um, it's the way you carry yourself. If you're confident, even if you're, you know, even if you're 20, um, if you are, you know, you hold the ball and you go into the conversation and you direct that conversation, it doesn't matter uh, if you're if you're 18 or 20 or or 40. It, people can find the confidence in you if you if you just uh, carry yourself the right way. Yeah. So what you're saying is uh, there is not a single disadvantage to being young and starting. So all you young yeah. people get started. Right. 
Yeah. There you go. Actually, I say this quite often is that I think age, investing at a young age is like your greatest asset. Like when you're young, like that's such a powerful asset. And for the, obviously the reasons you talked about, but one more that you didn't mention, but I think I could, I've seen in your life, I mean, in your story so far is that when you're young, I feel like people want to help you get to where you're going. Like that's I, right. I love to help young people when they're like, you know, like, I don't know, trying to learn real estate and they hit me up on the forums or they take me out to lunch or whatever. Like, I love that because I'm like, you know, I was there 10 years ago and now I want to help that person. And it doesn't, doesn't matter if you're 30, 40, 50 years old, but older people that are older than you, that like the next generation up want to help you get to their point. So I don't care how, how old you are. If you're 50, find a seven year old, that's an investor. Or if you're 30, find a 50 year old or whatever. Oh yeah. The, uh, a lot of the guys that we've done any kind of seller finance deals off of, all comment on one way or the other, like, oh, you remind me of yep, uh, myself exactly. back, back when I was getting into this. or Because yep. you know, a lot of these guys that we're buying off of were contractors or something like that, so I can relate to them. And then they're like, you know, after talking for a little bit, they're like, oh, I see, you. I see myself in you. And you know, just that rapport that you build with them yeah. uh, immediately makes the deal so much easier. Yep. I get both nice. those. I get both those things all the time. It's just that uh, I, I see myself in you, or you know, I see... I see myself in you when I was that age or whatever. Or they say, oh, if only I was like you when I was that age, I'd be so much further along now. And so both those things, they want to help. And uh, yeah, take advantage of that. I'm, I have an yeah. article on the blog called uh, How to Invest in Real Estate from, at, at, a a young, at a Young Age. Yeah, so I'll link to that in the show notes as well on the show. But uh, yeah, it just kind of lays yeah. out all those things. So, Hey, Jared, before we go to the fire round, I just wanted to ask, I mean, for, for those young people, whether there's somebody, you know, we have, we have, kids who are 17 who are coming on bigger pockets they're excited about real estate and they're thinking you know i want to do this you know in a year or two or you know anyone else who's kind of in a in a similar place that you are what what would you what would you advise them what's you know not everybody's going to be able to swing a hammer so what would you tell that other young person who's thinking about getting started in the, in the real estate investing business uh, how they should go about doing it yeah i'd say just take the sacrifices, whatever you have to do now, because they'll be easier to take now than when you pile on all the other responsibilities that will come with life as you move forward. So uh, whether, you know, for me, it was taking the sacrifices of doing that, uh, not spending the money that I could have earned doing the contracting and then also sacrificing my own labor. But however that person needs to do it, make the sacrifices now uh, while you can, because the power of exponential growth is so worth it to do those things. Yeah. You could stop digging the knife in my back, man. I, mean, I get it. I'm old. I didn't start when I was 21. I mean, yep, like seriously. Sorry, sorry young old, old guy. No, I know so many people like my age or not. I mean, like, yeah, like younger guys that are like in their 20s, like maybe late 20s, whatever, complain Dude, about you're money. you're almost 30. I know, I'm almost 30. I'm not there yeah, yet. I can still call myself young. young until I'm 30, all right? No, but I know all these guys that are like complain about not having any money, yet they play, you know, 10, 15, 20 hours of Call of Duty every week. And so like, it's you said that sacrifice, right? I mean, like I... I didn't have a video game system until last year or even like, I don't know, this six months ago and I don't play it at all. Like, that's why he doesn't show up to work. That's why I was sitting there playing. <laughs> no, like I, I, I played my Xbox. I got an Xbox one actually. Uh, Darren Sager traded me it for me building my website or something like that. And I don't even play it. Like, I mean, it, it sits in my room and I've, I haven't played it in a month and a half. Like, because yeah. I don't know when you're young, you got to sacrifice your time. And, and I think it's yeah. huge. No, one thing I said to my brother the other day was there's going to be time. It's hard to see it right now uh, for a lot of people, but there's going to be times in life where I know I'll want free time mm -hmm. more than I do now. 
And that's a really hard thing, I think, to, for a lot of people to wrap their head around. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm planning to have children. And, and when that time comes, if I can have the freedom to not work, I'll have it because yeah. I, you know, I, I did what I needed to do now to set that up. Yeah. Right I love that's that. Great. That's so smart. That's great. Cool. cool. Well, uh, why don't we move to the, the fire round? Sure. It's time for the fire round. All right, the fire round. These questions come to you from the Bigger Pockets forums. And so these we plucked from different people who have asked questions over the past few weeks and months. Uh, number one, oh, by the way, people can get to the forums. If you're not engaging there, you should. Biggerpockets.com slash forums. Big shocker there. But <laughs> number one, I'm trying to flip a house and I have no money at all. Do you have any tips? Save up some That's- money first because you're, <laughs> you're going to be in big trouble when you start to flip. <laughs> there you go. Agreed. It's a pretty easy one. Yeah. yeah, actually, so I did a webinar last night. It was on uh, the topic of no money down investing. And that was like, I have like the four rules of no money down investing. And one of them is you can't do it without any money. Like you have to have at least a cushion or something to get you through. Like, even if you want to do it creatively, you got to have something, you got to save up something. So hustle, work extra hours, go be a contractor at night, whatever you got to do and, and uh, work hard and make some money. I love it. Yeah, if you literally have zero money, I don't, I don't even think you're going to be able to get a credit card to go put it on. So, uh, yep. yeah, go save some money. Cool. Yeah, it's interesting. We we actually had a member once who got mad at us because they were, it was a woman, and she's like, "Hi, I got no money," and and you know everything you guys say says money, but these these infomercials, you know, they say you don't need money, and everyone on the site is like, "You can't do this, right? You can't do this." And she's like, "No, well, you know what? I'm I'm out of here. I'm going to go." I'm going to go to find a way to get money so I could give it to the infomercial guy so that he can tell me how to do it with no money. You're like, dude, you just slow down. Well, the funny thing is you can do deals without money, right? But you, I should say you can do deals without using your money in the deals. It doesn't say you can do deals if you're flat broke and you have 12 bucks to your name. There's a difference there, right? You can do deals without money, but not without money in your checking account or you shouldn't maybe anyway. So anyway, yeah, it's just not Whatever. The, 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 the smartest move, right? Yeah, save up with some money. Uh, yeah. It's going to be different for each person, but all right, moving on, number two. Look at you taking control. Yeah, yeah. Number two, Watch. should I focus more on cash flow deals, rentals, or should I focus on fix and flips? So, you know, I'm guessing there's some context missing, but I guess generally if somebody should, should they focus on rentals or fix and flips? Yeah, that's uh that's pretty hard to to answer. That's, uh, that's a, it depends. But let's uh, say new investor, somebody who's like maybe they have a little bit of cash and uh, they've got a steady job. Should they do buy and hold or fix and flips? I'll go buy and hold just because I'm a uh, conservative kind of guy. And flips is definitely more of a a job. So if you were had a full time job and had a little bit of money, you could just get. Uh, a, a property that doesn't need rehab at all, uh, hire a property manager, and you know sit back. So that's that's I guess what I would suggest with that little bit of information. Cool, right cool. Third question: What would be the best way to find a fix and flip? I need to find something to flip. How do I find it? Uh, good question. I'd I would, uh, <laughs> I'd like to know the answer to that. I, I, I'm searching every day, so. Uh, I think that's key right there. I think you just any, said it. Any, Search yeah. every day. Any way you can. Yeah. Okay. Great like answer. It. Hustle, 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 right? I mean, do one of yep. many things. All right. Last one. I need to find a good property manager. 
that is not like the property manager that Brandon was telling us about <laughs> earlier. Uh, I think she was like he, resident manager also, not like a licensed uh, property you know, manager. She was like a... Manager is yeah. a manager is a manager. <laughs> I need to find a good manager. Any tips? Oh, um, yeah. Can I answer this with a, a story? Sure. Yeah, we yeah, love So um, I didn't bring this up, but I will be leaving Cincinnati in the summer of 2016 and moving to Atlanta. So... I'll also be doing real estate investment there, uh, right down in northern Atlanta, um, Jay Scott's area, because I read his book and I saw that. So anyway. (laughs) He's not there anymore, by the way. uh, Okay. Yeah, he Um, moved. Sorry. Okay, back to the story. (laughs) uh, Property manager. So I need someone to take care of the rentals that we have here because we are not going to sell them. Um, So this plan went into into action. We know we're going to move. So we said, we got to find a property manager. We started by, we said, we're going to start from the inside out. And we went on to Zillow or any other site where you can find rentals. And we said, we're going to start by acting like tenants and making phone calls. And whoever is responsive and whoever answers, and then we'll set up a showing. And whoever you know gets us in quickly and is professional, we'll make a list of those people. And then we'll select from them. We'll go talk to the, their salespeople then. And, uh, so you were taking it from the, the tenant side. You want to see who serviced the tenants best. Is that? Yeah, yeah. We kind of started from the inside out. And really, we had horrible, horrible results. You know, phone call after phone call, talking about probably 100 phone calls. No calls back. No one wow. would answer. No wow. one would answer emails. And it was looking uh, pretty dreary. And, we, and we, it got to the point where we said, we're going to sell them because I can't hand this off to someone who's going to drive it into the ground. And... Um, just then, when we had decided to sell it and we were kind of doing the math on what the taxes would be, a guy from Bigger Pockets that we had met at a Bigger Pockets meetup and were colleagues on there approached me and said, You know, I'm looking to get into real estate and would you be open to me managing your properties? You guys kind of show me how you're doing things and then you don't have to pay me as much as a professional service. But then, uh, you know, I, I can do that for you. So we said we thought about it a little bit, and it came down to well, if we hire an employee, you know, one person employee for twenty units, we can't really do that. And if we do teach this guy, he's an entrepreneur at heart. We're going to teach him, and then he's going to go get his own. He's going to leave, and we're going to be in Georgia, and all our rentals are going to be in Cincinnati, and then we're going to be driving up here and trying to hire someone else. So the way it, it ended was we, you know. This sounds quick, but after you know a lot of thought and a lot of talking to this person and, and figuring out who they were, we decided to work out a partnership. So later on at the end of the year, uh, after he's going to work for us as a property manager, uh, as an employee for a while and see how he does and, and everything is working. He's doing that now. Everything is working great. Um, then we will start to hand over equity shares of our company so that way instead of him learning and leaving, yeah. uh, he's going to control some of it and just take it over. Brilliant. Interesting. Yeah. That's, that's a cool idea. That's Very really, cool. really great. Yeah. So awesome. To, to answer the fire round question, uh, I couldn't find one. So we had to, uh, find someone else that could do it and make them a partner because no company cared about the properties as much as the owner. So we said, well, why not just bring on an owner, yeah, bring on an owner. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome, man. And and I love, you know, I love that idea. I've yet to hear somebody say that uh, as a means for like <clears throat> Brandon coming to Denver, for example, and uh, <laughs> uh, 
finding somebody to come take over his part of his portfolio. But um, <laughs> I digress. I, I really liked the idea of calling them as a tenant because it's one thing yeah. they're going to put on a show for you when you're coming on board and handing over your units, but you're really going to get to the to the to know how they operate if you come in and call on the units that they're promoting. That's going to show you how they run their business. Um, I, I can't believe after all this time, I've never even thought of that. Brilliant, brilliant, really, really good idea. And I encourage people who are interviewing property managers to give that a go as well. It's a, it's a great tip. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Yeah. Not, not only the phone calls, but uh, just looking at their listings uh, that I'm sure other people will do that, but the phone calls help. But yeah, just, you know, a lot of listings don't have pictures, uh, you know, very vague. It just says three bed, one bath. And it's like, man, how many phone calls do you actually get from that? Because it's yeah. so yeah. vague. Um, you know, where ours are fully listed, trying to eliminate wasteful time phone calls. But yeah, so start right from the inside out. Perfect. Love it. Love it. Awesome. All right, moving on. Let's end this thing with the world famous. Famous for. The world famous, famous for these questions we ask every single solitary guest. So uh, you know what's coming. Number one. What is your favorite real estate book? Okay. Well, I don't read too much because I'm not a strong reader, uh, but I listen to a lot of audiobooks while okay. I'll do the monotonous parts of uh, the contracting, like painting or things like that. That takes zero thought. So I'll knock out a book in a day of painting. So, That's great. Uh, one I listened to that it was not exciting, but it held probably the most information that I would suggest to other young investors is investing in real estate. Uh, that's the title of it. And it's the sixth edition is the one I read. And it's uh, Gary W. Elder. Elder. Yeah. yeah. So it, it was, it was more textbooky. It yeah. was not fun to read, but it was just packed full of, of information. That was so. one of the first ones I ever read. Cause I had it at the library. I, you know, it was one of the earlier editions, but I got it at the library and it, it, it's very textbooky, but yeah. it's got a lot in there. So yeah. right on, right on. What about business book? What, what's your favorite audio business book? Yeah, well, I listen to uh, Emis, and I like that a lot um, because when I listened to it, I was like, "Oh, this is the exact path I'm headed on." So yeah. I need to correct that. Um, <laughs> but I also liked uh, Br- "Business Brilliance" by Lewis Schiff, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it just talked about different stories of people who have showed exemplary business brilliance. So one of them, like the Circus LA guy. And uh, it talked a lot about, had a whole chapter on um, how dyslexics are really good at running businesses. And being a dyslexic, I related to that. Interesting. Oh, right on. Never heard of the book. Sounds really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I've been doing a lot of audible listening lately, too. I like it. Nice. And, And by the way, like, you know, what I love about this show, not only are you a young guy, but like, you know, the fact that you're willing to share that with everybody listening um, and, and, you know, seeing how far you've come despite having that, the challenge of, of being dyslexic. I I, I think it's awesome. And it really just means I'm uh, bad at reading and writing. Yeah. Yeah. No, (laughs) no, but uh, listen, I mean, we all have something, you know, there's all, everybody's got something, but uh, the reason I bring it up is this. There are so many people listening to the show right now that have never done anything in real estate before. There's probably tens of thousands of people listening to your podcast, okay? And I bet you a huge percentage of them are saying, oh, I can't do it because of the, I can't, and, and, and they all have their excuses and the reasons. And I'm not making fun of the people who have not yet done it. I'm saying, you know, 
take those excuses and get rid of them. Because, you know, if anyone's got an excuse, you know, Jared, you can say, oh, I can't do it because I was dyslexic. Well, that's BS, right? We, we all have our baggage. We all have the stuff that we are good at, that we're bad at. We have, you know, we all, some people have problems, some people have whatever it is. We all have a way to get past that. And so if you really want to do it, you got to, you'll find a way to get past whatever it is that you can do. Now, not not a hundred percent of people will be able to do that, but most people can probably get past that one or two things that's holding them back. And so, if you're one of those people, you know, stop and just take a second and say, you know what, I've been making excuses for a long time about why not, why I can't do it. I'm going to just do it. I'm going to start, you know, planning, putting pen to paper, making things happen, and get out there and and execute on what I want to do. Don't let the excuses hold you back. Yeah. Or just find an alternate way. You know, like I, yeah. I'm not a strong reader. I can't make it through a book. Um, audio books, you know, simple, yeah. same, same exact result. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Cool, man. What about hobbies? What do you do for fun besides real estate? Um, I work a ton. So all of my free time is devoted to my wife, my family and my dog. So that's my fun is, is them. So, and then what work. kind of dog? Uh, Pipple lab mix. Nice. Nice. Your dog would eat Brandon's for breakfast. Yeah, it's all that. I would love to watch that. I mean, I didn't really say that. His dog is so cute. Charlie. Yes, yes, Charlie is adorable. He won the cutest dog award again. Nine years in a row. Just keeps winning it. Who who gives out that award, Brandon? (laughs) Is that the award issued by you? Yes. Yes. I'm the judge. So (laughs) all right, final question. What do you believe, Jared, sets apart successful investors from those who give up, fail, or never get started? Uh, I would say self-discipline on not just the business side, but all aspects of life. You know, it, it, it's when you're a business owner, it, it carries over. It, it blends together. It's not like, oh, you know, I work, I, I'm self, I have self-discipline, but then uh, when I go home, it's different. It's, it's every moment and every choice, you know, there's billions of choices throughout your life and, and having self-discipline throughout all of those is what's going to, what's going to make it happen. One thing I can remember from my childhood, my dad saying was be someone who, uh, people will lend money to. And it, and it had nothing to do with money when he told me that. Um, it was just like the type of person you are, uh, people will trust you. Even if you just said, Hey, can I have some money? They trust you to give it back. Even if you didn't say you were going to. So what I mean is, you know, the type of person you are is a disciplined person. And you carry yourself that way throughout life. Well, love I love it. it. Really, really love it. Listen, man, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, before you go, where can people find out more about you? Bigger pockets would be the best place to go to talk to me. Uh, Facebook as well. Right on. And you, you have a website? I don't. You do not. There you go. All right. Well, Jared, listen, it's again, it's been a real pleasure. A very fun show. Lots of really great tips. Uh, we, we definitely thank you for coming on board. Um, and uh, for those people listening, you can go to biggerpockets.com slash show 124 and check out the show notes with uh, Jared. And if you've got any questions about this show, you know, please ask him and, and uh, I'm sure he'll be happy to, to answer the questions. Also, by the way, congrats on uh, you know, coming on board as a contributor to the Bigger Pockets blog. Uh, we, we definitely are excited to have you on board. And uh, Hey, uh, one thing I wanted to add to you guys, I want to say thank you because if it wasn't for the Bigger Pockets podcast, uh, I've listened to all of them, I probably would have been either bankrupt 
or in jail by now. <laughs> I started very aggressively and it kind of uh, showed me a path on what not to do. And yeah, thank you for putting that out there. Wow. Awesome. That's great, that. man. Well, we're, we're glad that it, uh, it has in fact helped you out. And I mean, I, there's interviews like this are what make me happy. They're, they're what drive me. It's, it's seeing somebody who's succeeding, you know, in, in part, thanks to what we're doing. And, and so, uh, thank you for, you know, being part of our world, man. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Awesome. Otherwise, listen, if you guys are, uh, looking to get going in the world of real estate, Bigger Pockets is a really, really great place to be. We definitely encourage you to uh, check out the site, get involved, jump in, create a profile, interact, network, um, listen to the podcast, read the thousands of articles written by you know experienced investors uh, like Jared and Brandon and, and others and uh, make this thing happen. Take control of your real estate because there is no reason that you can't do it. So get out there. We'll see you on board, Bigger Pockets. And uh, of course, if you are a fan of the show, please jump on iTunes and leave us a rating uh, and a review. We'd very much appreciate it. Help spread the word about Bigger Pockets. And finally, if you are not yet watching slash listening to the Ask BP podcast, you can find that on iTunes as well or on Bigger Pockets at biggerpockets.com slash askbp. That said, I'm Josh Dorkin, signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. Braving the real estate investing journey on your own can be daunting. Doubts tend to creep up and stifle your ambition. Is this actually a good deal? Did you run the numbers right? What if you can't find a tenant? Can you even afford this place? What if you lose your job? Whatever you're going through, we've all been there. And guess what? The best way to overcome your doubts and hesitations is with a healthy dose of knowledge, networking, and accountability. And that's just what you'll find in our newly released 2024 Summer Boot Camps. After these eight action-packed weeks of step-by-step guidance from expert investors, weekly video modules, live Q&As, interactive assignments, and new friends to keep you accountable, you'll be ready to tackle your first or next deal with full confidence and expertise. Choose from the small multifamily, short-term rental, or rookie boot camps and register by April 12th for the lowest prices. Head on over to biggerpockets.com slash enroll me today. That's biggerpockets.com slash enroll me. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.